I'm Holly. And I'm Bridget. And this is Girls Next Level. (laughs) Okay, guys, welcome back to Girls Next Level. I'm like, where are we? Why are we weird today, you guys? Well, because Bridget and I got together um, about a week or so ago, and we realized we weren't going to be in the same city for like a month and a half. So we're like, we need to get all this content banked. We did, but then I sat down to edit it today and I realized there was no sound on any of it. I'm talking 10 hours worth of shit, no sound. I don't know what happened. I don't know if my mics just came unplugged and we just kept rolling with it. But you can bet today, after every segment, I'm going to be checking back and making sure there's sound because... I am being tested. I mean, my New Year's resolution was not to stress about shit that doesn't matter. I was getting a little stressed. Yes. This is the second thing, because I was thinking after we recorded that slumber Mm -hmm. party about the whole um, podcast thing and stuff, I was thinking, oh, you know what I should have brought up? Remember, you weren't going to get stressed about little stuff. But here we are. And I always think about that, but it's just... And I don't know if I was so much stressed about that podcast thing as I was just like really had my feelings hurt over it. Yeah. But yeah, I am being tested. Well, I feel like um, this is definitely a test, but I I feel like there are things that happen that you don't have control over. Well, not that we didn't have control over it. Like, I guess we need to be more diligent about checking and making Mm -hmm. sure everything before we move on or whatever. But I mean, even so, like today, we didn't have any control over that it didn't turn out last week or whenever we recorded those things. So I feel like those things do cause frustration. And that's why it's just so hard to like keep that kind of stuff. When you like when you first said that was your New Year's session, I was like, oh, because it's tough. It's tough. It's It's not important. And I never want to say impossible because I don't want to be pessimistic like that. But it's really, really hard to not get bothered by things. It is. And I was just life. Yeah. And I was sending you all these voice memos like, um, we have a problem here. And you were in an appointment and you weren't getting them. And I was like, shit. So I'm sitting at my table and I'm going live on TikTok like you guys. The worst thing happened. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'm like, Bridget hasn't checked her messages yet. She's about to get the worst messages. (laughs) Not mean messages, but like bad news news because like we have we have to do this so we only have like two or three days to get all this stuff again and thank god you're able to come here i appreciate that so much because i was like fuck what are we even gonna do yeah you guys it's dark 30 right now <laughs> it is dark <laughs> 30 like- and it's a crazy week like it was supposed Like you're getting ready to leave. It was supposed to be my press week for Playboy Murders season two, which is out tonight if you're listening to this. So please watch. And it's on Investigation Discovery. But yeah, I'm like, um, we got some other stuff to do this week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So my head is spinning. It's crazy. So what were we talking about? We are talking about Playmate of the Year because we have an interview with Cara Monaco, who, as you know, we celebrated in the past couple of Girls Next Door episodes. But before we get into Playmate of the Year, I want to tell you that I saw this girl make an Instagram story about how I supposedly kicked her out of our booth at Midsummer Night's Dream. Really? Yeah. It was the, she had footage of it, not footage of being kicked out, but she had like footage from the show where she was like, oh, that's me. And she goes, and there's Holly looking annoyed. I don't think I was looking annoyed. I think that's just my face, but I'm sorry I got you kicked out. But here's the deal. So this was the Midsummer Night's Dream that we did during the episode where Patty, Kendra's mom, got the makeover. It was the Arabian Nights one from the unveilings episode. And that was the first year that we had a whole tent for Hef. Because usually it would just be him sitting on pillows on a table on the floor. So anybody could come up with to him from all directions from behind give him a noogie on the head and then I kept making suggestions because he would get kind of miserable at these parties and want to go up early so I'm like well why don't you make for several reasons I think we should tell them all the reasons why that would get annoying oh yeah go for it first of all is his back problems like sitting Mm -hmm. on the floor on pillows all night long no support with yeah zero support and at one point I think we scooted a couch up behind us like a little big something for the floor but we needed more (laughs) but still that's not very comfortable and then people would come up from all directions and we have security behind us but there's only there's only so much that they can do and not only that but Hef wants to say hi to people like he wants to be you know he wants to meet and greet everyone so he doesn't want security being like no you can't come up but sometimes it's just one after another or bombardment from all sides so he's constantly like trying to do this and you're yeah. laying you're sitting on the floor and you're 80 years old and like <laughs> you know it's a lot it's a lot even for us yes But like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And then so since this was the first year we had an actual tent, there was almost like a velvet rope kind of a thing. I don't remember if there was a literal velvet rope, but it was like you had to get into the tent and there would be security and people would come into the tent to say hi. And sometimes it would get a little too crowded and Hef wouldn't like it. So anytime that happens, security is going to look at me and be like, who doesn't belong in here? And I'm going to point to like the people we don't know. You know what I mean? Like not trying to be an asshole, but if it's too crowded and it's too crowded for Hef, like some people got to go. Well, let me point that out too. It was an epidemic that like people would just like kind of slide in and act like they were just there and yeah. and like they just got to sit there and it's it those seats are reserved for obviously the girlfriends and then the girls that are staying at the mansion and playmates and people that we want in there not just like a random person to just slide in and be like oh hi I'm sitting here now and it was a weird vibe like it's not like we're opposed to like talking to new people like we met new people at the parties yeah. all the time but because people were drinking so much you know me included but people were drinking so much it would be a weird vibe because like people would get to the table and the, you knew you could tell they knew they were being sneaky and they weren't really talking to you like normal. It was just kind of like a weird vibe. Like it was like a am here and notice me, but don't notice I'm here. Kind of a weird. Drunk yeah. Thing. Well, and to put it into perspective, because this might sound weird or elitist or like a, a thing that you can't put your own put in your own shoes kind of thing. But like, let me put it in a different example. Say you're at a club and you have bottle service. And this might even be too much yeah. for people, but I'm going to break it down again. Say you are at a bottle service and then all these people like start showing up at your table and start drinking your uh, taking up the seats and putting their stuff down and like making themselves at home. And you have no idea who these people are or I'll make it even less. So say you're at a bar and you were smart enough to get there early and like get a table or a little booth or whatever for you and your friends. And then randoms just show up and start like sitting in your booth and setting their stuff down and drinking your alcohol and stuff like that, you're kind of like, wait, what? Who are these people? This is, I came here early, reserved this table mm. so that me and my friends have a place to sit and put our stuff and hang out. And now all these randoms are here for like, who are these people? Yeah, it's a weird vibe. And I feel like kind of, the way, you know, it should have been like the way like Hef would have wanted is if new people came to say hi, there's kind of a turnover, but some people would park it. Yeah, it was yeah, weird. for sure. So anyway, I'm sorry I kicked you out. And but... they wouldn't talk to us either. Yeah, it was odd. Because was almost weird. talking to us drew more. They they thought talking to us drew more attention to them. Uh -huh. But really what happens is when you're sitting there looking all sly and like, you kind of wonder, wait, what's this person up to? What are they yeah. doing? It was, I can't explain it probably effectively, but it was an odd thing. So yeah. I'm sorry I had you removed from the tent, but sometimes you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Yeah. Speaking of, like, even though I'm not a country music person, I could listen to Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers all the time. <laughs> and then when I think Well, they're OG, so that's like different. Yeah, it's really good. But. Did you ever hear the story Jenny McCarthy told about how Kenny Rogers used to call the Playmate Guest House? No. <laughs> so way back in the day. So Jenny was shooting for Playmate back in the 90s. This is when Hef was married. So the Playmates like weren't allowed in the main house that often. They kind of were like stuck in the guest house. And she said that like men, like celebrity men would call the mansion and be patched through to just a random room in the Playmate guest house because they wanted to talk to Playmates and like meet Playmates that way. Isn't that weird? And one of them was Kenny Rogers. Okay, that is creepy. <laughs> Not the know, Kenny right? Rogers. But, well, I mean, maybe that is creepy too. But just the fact that people, random dudes, celebrity dudes would call to the guest house and just be patched through. I know. It's really weird. They're just hoping that one of the girls is going to be like, oh, Kenny Rogers, oh. you should come over here right now so I can fuck you. Well, like, I bet a lot of them went on dates with those guys, wouldn't you think? Because if you're like a young girl from the middle of nowhere and like a celebrity calls up, especially if it's one you like, you might be like, oh, yeah, I'll go out with you. I bet people went out with the guys. I mean, I knew playmates who fucked celebrities in the guest house. Really? Yes. In the guest house? Yes, like during parties. Like brought them back and jumped on it. I had no idea. Oh, I need more details. <laughs> yes, I will name names to you. <laughs> but the other thing I wonder is like the butlers must have had kind of a racket going on because they would have had to know these guys were the real deal to patch them through. I would think like oh, there must yeah. have been a known 
code word or something. Yeah, or something. (laughs) Recognize our voices. I remember, um, and I might have told this story before, but there used to be a guy that called the mansion all the time asking for my sister, saying he was Ryan Reynolds. And the mansion would put him through to my room saying, Ryan Reynolds is on the phone for Anastasia. Stop it. Well, maybe it was the time. Rogers then. (laughs) (laughs) People who look like papasmurf.com. Do you remember that website? No. Oh, that's a thing? Kenny Rogers was always on it. People would just submit pictures of people. Oh, he is. Papa Smurf. And then there was in the Tumblr days, there was girls who. (laughs) (laughs) Girls who look like Skrillex.com. Do you remember that one? Wait, who is Skrillex? The DJ. No, I don't. Wait, I don't even know what Skrillex looks like. <laughs> what does he have a distinct look? Yes, and that's why they would find girls who looked like him is because he had glasses, and back then he had like long hair <laughs> that was like kind of undercut, like undershaved. No, but, I gotta see what he looks like. Wait, now. hang on. Let me not to waste time, but let me look if that's still a thing. <laughs> yes. What girls that look like Skrillex? Oh, well, that looks um familiar. Like I I guess I think I have seen him before. <laughs> There's just all these girls. I wonder if they're somebody <laughs> themselves. <laughs> oh, I bet some people did. I bet. So <laughs> speaking of Jenny McCarthy, let's get back to Playmates of the Year. So I asked you guys if you had questions about Playmate of the Year. And one of the questions, which I just asked Kara because we didn't ask her this in the interview, is people wondered if the $100,000 prize, if that was paid all at once or in installments. Ooh, I assumed it was question. probably installments. Just I assumed. Because that's how they did Playmate of the Month. But Kara confirmed that, yes, it was installments. You got a quarter of it when you finished your pictorial, a quarter when you finished the video, a quarter after your luncheon, and then a quarter when your whole year was done. You know what I've been in love with lately? What? Is my black cashmere sweater from Quince. It has become like the staple of my life right now, especially in the winter because it's just so like classic and elegant looking and goes with everything. That's amazing. It's my quiet luxury item. Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices within reach, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14 karat gold jewelry the best part all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us and quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes i love that so much yeah me too and i got sweats and like sweat shorts and i love them i practically live in them and i feel like they are cute enough to go out and run my errands in but also so, so cozy and comfortable to like sit at home and watch TV to Netflix and chill. Yes, that's like the <laughs> perfect thing. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash next level for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash next level to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash next level. So again, it's like almost takes two years to get all your money. Yeah. Just like Centerfold does. Yeah. Because they want to make sure you're staying in line and showing up for the jobs. So when you really break it down, then that's that is $50,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, less after taxes. Yeah. Hmm. And then I had a question after we filmed mm-hmm. with her, too. And I think you asked her, yeah. like, I was curious if she kept her car and the motorcycle because I know some girls did, but some didn't. And I didn't actually know whether Kara did or not. Yeah, she said she sold hers so she could buy the car she wanted. But the, with the motorcycle, at first she was interested in learning to ride it. And at first they Playboy was like, oh, we'll get you a motorcycle riding lessons. And they're like, no, we need you intact. So you're actually not allowed to ride the motorcycle at all. <gasps> That's so weird that they would gift that and then tell you you can't ride it. I think it was more of an advertiser thing. Yeah. And a lot of the playmates, sometimes they got to pick their car. Like I know Tiffany Fallon did. She chose a Corvette. But oftentimes the car they would get would be given by a sponsor, like an advertiser. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about like the prizes through the years and like what people got? Sure. I mean, I only know, I know the $100,000 check. I know the car, the motorcycle, but I think even the motorcycle stopped at one point or was intermittent. Yeah, it was intermittent for sure. Um, And then uh, obviously you get to work, but I don't really know the luncheon. I don't really Mm. know all the other prizes. 
Well, Playmate of the Year started in 1960, and in the 60s, they would give the girls usually a car and other prizes, and all the stuff, including the car, would be pink. They had a special color of pink made called yeah. Playmate Pink that was really pale. And for a while, like one of the car companies offered that color, like they had a roster of like custom colors you could order your car in, and Playmate Pink was one of them you could get for a few years in the 60s. That's so cool. I saw somebody on Instagram recently, they did one of those custom Broncos in Playmate Pink. I saw it. Mm-hmm. It was an actual Playmate Pink? Yeah. I saw the pink Bronco and yeah. it was hella cute. Like really I wasn't, cute. I wasn't like thinking about a Bronco or anything, but when I saw it in the mm-hmm. pink, it was so Barbie. That's funny that that was Playmate Pink, though. Yeah. And then they stopped doing Playmate Pink in the late 60s because back then that's when Penthouse came out. And Penthouse, this was before Playboy was showing crotches, Penthouse would do like a full spread and people would call like an open vagina pink because the color it is yeah. inside. Right. So he thought, and I guess that was a term that was so commonly used that he didn't want to use pink anymore because it sounded like vagina crack or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that weird that that was that prevalent? Because I don't think if somebody said Playmate Pink now, I don't think people are thinking pussy. I don't think you know, so yeah, either. I think they're thinking my room yeah, on Girls Next totally. Door. <laughs> so they got those prizes and I think they were just paid the same as what a Playmate of the Month was paid. Oh, I didn't even think about it being less back then. Yeah, but of course it was. dollars at first. And then like in the late 70s, early 80s, you kind of had this era that I feel like was kind of like a golden age for Playmate of the Year, like Dorothy Stratton, like Terry Wells, Shannon Tweed, like all these girls who were just getting so much attention and like going on the late night shows and stuff. And they would get a ton of prizes. But the thing is, you're stuck paying the taxes, like a gift tax on all these prizes. Yes. So like with Dorothy Stratton, she's given all these prizes, like weird stuff to like a big brass bathtub. Like she lives in an apartment, what? but she's given like this big brass bathtub and you're stuck paying all the gift tax on it. What the heck? I want, what the hell do you do with that? I don't know. I like the Bob Mackie dress prize, though. That was good. Like two Playmates got Bob Mackie dresses. That's amazing. Those were amazing, beautiful. But then she, when Shannon Tweed was Playmate of the Year, I think that was in 82, she was dating Hef, so she had a little bit more pull. And she was like, I don't want all the prizes. I just want a car. And she got a Porsche. And I want $100,000. So that's when they started that Smart. tradition. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> So they started doing that and then, you know, Playmates would get $100,000 in a car and then later they would throw in a motorcycle every once in a while. And then I remember like another era I think of as like a really amazing era for Playmate of the Year is like 99 through like 2001 where it was like Heather Kozar, Jodi Ann Patterson, Brandi Roderick. Like that's when we were really starting to get interested in Playboy. And I remember and Entertainment Tonight would always do like a big feature on the Playmate of the Year every year. And this was back when like every family had those shows on just running in their living room on the TV set all the time. And I remember seeing that and being like jaw on the floor. Me too. Like oh my god I want to be Playmate of the Year. That (laughs) inspired me so much. Mm -hmm. All of the press that they got, the Entertainment Tonight spread the prizes, like just the looks of the party, like showing how it looks like the most glamorous thing possible. A hundred percent. It was so cool. And they got the cover of the magazine, which that kind of got taken away a little later, too. Like, I think in 2002 was the first year they didn't put Playmate of the Year on the cover because the magazine was just struggling a little bit more. So they wanted to put a celebrity, but usually they couldn't even get like a celebrity so it would be somebody who was like on the reality show of the month like oh this girl won joe millionaire or something like that oh so i remember that was kind of like a bummer for the playmates of the year that year because they really wanted the cover and instead it was like a reality show girl yeah and then sometimes if they couldn't get a reality show girl they would put the playmate of the year back on the cover and kara was lucky to get the cover yeah and then some people were asking i asked for questions on instagram some people were asking like did they keep the car all year and yeah the car was a gift except you were saying later on like after we left Yeah. So I ran into Raquel Pomplin and she had the Jaguar F-Type and I was like oogling over it. Like, Mm -hmm. I just I love that car so much. And she was like, yeah, I got it for Playmate of the Year. And I'm like, that's amazing that you got this car. And then she was like, well, yeah, I get to keep it for one year. And I was like, one year? And she was like, yeah, they, they're letting me have it for like a year. And then I guess she has to give it back. That was my understanding. It's possible I misunderstood her, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that's what she said. Whoa, that's a bummer. I think a lot of stuff went downhill after we left, though. Not because we left, but just around that time. It just happened. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff with Playboy went 
kind of downhill. Another thing people were asking is, did anyone ever lose the title of Playmate of the Year or like have their reign cut short? Because I think people are thinking of this kind of like pageant style. Yeah. No, nobody ever did. I feel like I can't think of any examples, but if anybody ever like pissed Hef off while they were Playmate of the Year, it's not like their title gets taken away. That never goes away. But I think the company would have probably just started, stopped hiring. Oh, oh, actually, I can think of one person (gasps) who they stopped hiring. Really? I, I don't want to say because that's controversial. So, no, that person would always remain Playmate of the Year, but... <laughs> Tucker they... Carlson. I know. <laughs> I really can't, guys. because She's it... Tuck- Tucker Carler. Yeah. <laughs> She's Tucker Carler. <laughs> I mean, I could say, but it's honestly a fucked up situation and I feel like it's not my story to tell and I don't have all the details. Yeah. So. All right. I won't pester you. I know. (laughs) I know. I wish I always wish I could give the dirt, but I also have to be mature sometimes. So (laughs) but but it doesn't get the title taken away. It's like not that that person's no longer playmate of the year, but the company would like stop hiring them. Yeah. And just hire other playmates for those kind of promotions. That's probably the only thing that would happen. And then there's a lot of questions about how Playmate of the Year is even chosen. And there would be a reader's poll every year. Every January, they would run a feature called the Playmate Review. And they it would be a pictorial that had a picture of every Playmate from the previous year. And people would go online and vote for their favorites. And that's how the magazine would know who was the most popular. But before online voting, it used to be a 1-900 number you could call. <laughs> oh, and they got money for that then probably. Because um, aren't 1-900 numbers? Weren't those pay numbers? Those are and I don't know if it was always a 900 number to vote like they might have had a free one to vote but for a while in the early 90s they had a 1-900 number where you could talk to the playmate candidates and one of the women her husband got murdered because of it we covered it in playboy murders season one because she was talking to this guy who was a huge customer he would call and like rack up thousands of dollars calling her and she was the favorite one he wanted to talk to and of course the playmates as you can imagine are really motivated to do this they want to be the best easiest person to work with the one who you know is the most in demand because they want playmate of the year like you know how it is how people always want to show playmate promotions that they can do it best and she ended up like somehow the guy got her number it was somebody she'd been talking to for a really long time so almost carried over like I think they met at like an autograph signing or something too so she felt comfortable enough giving him her number so it patched straight to her house and through that he ended up tracking down her husband and killing the husband oh my god yeah and then it was a whole thing scary Mm -hmm. that is really scary yeah so anyway later on online that's how people would vote for it Playmate of the Year. And Hef and the magazine really usually wanted to give Playmate of the Year to whoever the readers voted for. Like, obviously, if all the Playmates got selected, they're all well-liked and they want to make the readers happy, you know. But there's other factors that go into it. For sure. I'd say there's like four factors. One is the readers poll. That means a lot. I know that one of them, you have to be like the way you work and the way you perform at work. Mm -hmm. Like how good, how well you do your Playboy promotions. Yeah, like that would be a deciding factor a lot because they'd give it to who won the reader's poll if somebody won by a landslide. But oftentimes somebody wouldn't win by a very large margin. Like there might be three who got most of the votes. And then how do you decide between the three? They'd call up Pat Lacey at Playmate Promotions and be like, who is best to work with? And then that's the person they'd give it to. Another way to get Playmate of the Year, and this was probably the most rare because most women didn't have breakthroughs this early in their career. But if somebody got like a really cool acting job or they thought, oh, this girl's going to be the next famous Playmate, like it happened with Anna Nicole Smith because she was modeling for guests when she was a playmate so they gave it to her and brandy roderick because she was on baywatch hawaii when she was a playmate but yeah that was those are the ways to get it i'm always looking for a good new year's resolution like it's got to be a good one if it transcends the whole vision board and everything like that and you want one that's not like getting you tangled in an elliptical or (laughs) eating the world's most depressing salads here's a good one for you smell better naked. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. Lumi is game-changing whole body deodorant designed by an OBGYN to work not only on pits, but also feet, privates, and everywhere else we get odor. No matter where you use it, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day long, all thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula, and they've got over 275,000 five-star reviews to show for it. 
Make the switch to Lumi, and this year will be all about head-to-toe confidence. No salads required. <laughs> Special offer, new customers get $5 off Lumi starter pack with our exclusive code and link. Use code NEXTLEVEL at LumiDeodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. One of the things I really love about Lumi is it's so lightweight, easy to apply, and it comes in all these fun scents. Yeah. And not only do I enjoy enjoy that but I'm like letting my kids know what deodorant is because my oldest is getting to the point where she's gonna have to use it and I remember being a kid and it was the last responsibility I wanted to put on my plate is when I need to start using deodorant it was like such a drag and traditional deodorants can sometimes like leave that white residue and all that stuff but Lumi's not like that Lumi's so light and easy and smells good Lumi starter pack is perfect for the new customers it comes with a solid stick deodorant cream tube deodorant two free products of your choice like mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code NEXTLEVEL at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit LumiDeodorant.com and use code NEXTLEVEL. And yeah. some, some, sometimes there would be like Hef would have a favorite going in. Yeah. Somebody that he just thought was really unique and really special and handed herself handled herself well, like Tiffany Fallon, for example. Or reminded him of somebody from long ago, mm-hmm. like a Faye Ray or a Betty Page. Alice Faye. Or, I mean, Alice Faye. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Alice Faye or a Betty Page or somebody Barbie like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if you reminded him of somebody like that, then you had a... That, that you had a lot going for you. Totally. So that was how people got Playmate of the Year. Should we get into our interview with Kara? Yeah, let's go. Yes. We're so excited to talk to you again. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like it's so, been so um, long. It, it really has. has. So long. Way too so long. long. I know. Like I'm trying to think, when was the last time I actually saw you in person? Was it my wedding? It was your wedding. Which makes me so sad. Ten years ago. Wow. Oh my oh. god, that's nuts. Well, you look the same. I know you look exactly you. the so same. Do you. <laughs> I'll take it. You girls do too. Thanks. You have not aged a day. Well, when you should come we to jump Florida? Right in? Yes, but please, when you come to Florida, we have to meet up. Oh, no, I'm coming again in February. I come every okay, February because my friend Josh performs in Disney World. So I'll be back again. So we'll have to meet up. Okay, good. I would love yeah. that. I'm so excited. So we have a special guest with us today. As we told you guys earlier in our intro, we have Kara Monaco. She's the Playmate of the Year 2006. You guys know her from the show. And we're so excited to get to know you a little bit better and catch up after all these years. So for the listeners, Kara, do you want to tell us like where you were raised and a little bit about what your childhood was like? Sure. I was raised in um, a town called Lakeland, Florida by a single mom who is a rock star. And we moved to Orlando when I was a teenager. And then you girls kind of know the story from there. I started working in Disney World, mm-hmm. you know, kind of was immersed in that whole world, loved it. Still worked there after I graduated high school and then started getting into modeling and Playboy was, you know, one of my first jobs and, you know, it took me to LA and the rest is kind of history now. So cool. And do you remember when you were a kid, the first time you ever heard of the Playboy brand and what you thought of it? Yes. So I used Mm -hmm. to babysit for my aunt and uncle and they had a prescription, a prescription, a subscription (laughs) a subscription to Playboy. And so I I definitely was like, I think digging one day and I was like looking in their closet. I shouldn't have been snooping, but I was. And I found their massive collection of Playboys. And I just remember thinking how beautiful all the girls were. I just think, oh, they're so stunning, but never did it cross my mind that I would ever, ever, ever pose myself. <laughs> It's funny. That's so I, crazy. I say prescription too sometimes, and I have to like, well, wait, I mean, subscription. <laughs> <laughs> How did Playboy get introduced to you as far as like when you, like what you're with a modeling agency and did they bring it up to you or did you see a casting call or how did that come about for you? So the, they found me because they were doing an America's sexiest bartender search at the time. And I was bartending downtown Orlando 
And my girlfriend who worked with me wanted to do Playboy more than anything in the whole world, but they just didn't ever choose her to shoot. She would try to submit and she's like, you have this look they like. So she actually submitted my photos without me knowing. And they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they called me and they're like, oh, we want you to shoot. And I'm like, what? And I was like, uh, I'm gonna have to think about that, but I'll get back to you. So then I shot for America's Sexiest Bartender and ended up winning. And then from there, they asked me to shoot to be a playmate. That's so cool. And it's such a jump to go from, you know, your bartending, but before that, you were a Disney princess at Disney World. Tell the listeners what princesses you were and how long you worked there. Okay, I worked there for four years. When I first started, because I was only 16, I started as Alice in Wonderland and Wendy from Peter Pan. And then as I got older, yeah, and you know, they do everything by height ranges. So once I was 18 and had grown a little more, then I did Cinderella, Snow White, Ariel, Blue Fairy from Pinocchio, and Jane from Tarzan. So total seven characters. Blue Fairy. I never see the Blue Fairy from Meet and Greets. That is so cool. She was a rarity and they would only have me like on the parade float sometimes, but it was a rarity that I even got to do it. I love a rare character. Me too. It's so cool. I do have a question about being a Disney princess though that I've always wanted to know. What is their protocol for if a kid comes up to you and asks you to sing? Because I'm assuming not all the actors could sing like a Disney princess. So what are you supposed to do? Like, oh, I'm saving my voice for the parade or I'm saving my voice for the show at the castle. You know, you have to kind of (laughs) like improvise big time because... I cannot sing like Disney princesses, so they wouldn't want to hear <laughs> Come me on, sing. Kara. That makes sense. I've always been so curious about that. And did you this do the best uh, job I've ever greets? had? I did. You kind of have to start doing that, and you start with oh. meet and greets, and that's how they like kind of get your footing a little bit before you start doing like parades or shows or things like that. And then they also have you train. Like with me, they had me train as a fur character first. Because a lot of times when you're on set, like when you're Snow White and you're on set with seven dwarfs, you know, you have to know what it's like for them to not have a voice, to have limited vision, all of those things. So because you have to be their voice. So I think it's good that that they do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they still do, but they did, you know, when I was there. That's cool. And did they tell you that when you're out in the real world interacting, you have to say that you're a friend of the character? You can't say you're the character. Was that a rule when you were there? Always. I never knew that was a thing. And when I was doing my show in Vegas after Girls Next Door, I would do meet and greets. And there were several times people would come up to me meet and greets and they'd be like, I'm friends with Minnie at Disneyland. And I'd be like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> like I thought, they were like, what? <laughs> I'm friends with Peter Pan. And I'm like, amazing. <laughs> like I didn't know. I didn't know if they were off their rocker. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> Once you got um, to the mansion and everything, like, what was the process? I know you said that you got it through the bartender thing, and then they asked you to be a playmate. When did you get to come to the mansion during the the bartending thing, or was it when you got picked for playmate? I didn't get to come for the bartending thing because they shot me in New York. So they flew me to New York, and I shot there. And then it wasn't until I was shooting for playmate that I came out to L.A., and Holly was the first person that I met at the mansion. She came, you came yes, and greeted I remember me at the guest house. Yeah, I remember giving you a tour. It was on a fun in the Sunday. And yes. I gave you a tour all around and thought you were super nice and stuff. And this was like, it would have had to be like early June 2004, I think, because Kendra was brand new. Like she was staying in bedroom four. So she hadn't like fully moved in yet, but we knew she was going to become a girlfriend. And I remember after giving you the tour, I went to go see Kendra in her room and I'm like, Kendra, just so you know, there's like this new girl here. And like, don't invite her up to the bedroom. Like, don't let anybody pressure you into trying to get her to like sleep with Hef or anything. Like she's here to work. And cause I was trying to like put a stop to all that because Hef usually like to have like a recruiter to like whisk all the girls upstairs. And Kendra was just looking at me like, like what the fuck is this place? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh my God. I think she's like, what the fuck? What were your first thoughts of the mansion? I think I was so overwhelmed. I was like nervous and I didn't know what to expect. And then I I came, like you said, on like a fun on the Sunday. And so there's like beautiful girls in bikinis. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I just step into? 
but I just kind of embraced it. You girls made it a very pleasurable experience for me and were very welcoming and that made me feel comfortable. Oh, thank you. Did you have any preconceived notions about the mansion or Hef before you came out there? Like, were you scared to meet him? Did you think it would be like wilder and crazier than it was? I heard that it had, you know, tamed down. Thankfully, when I came in, I came in at a good time because you guys had weeded out that, you know, huge group that were there, like the seven, I heard that was absolutely bonkers. So I'm glad I missed that time. (laughs) So I think I came in, uh, timings, everything at the right moment. And I do remember being extremely nervous to meet Heck though. And he was so sweet, but I don't even remember what I said to him. I think I blacked out. What was your process like from that point? So you come to the mansion and you are, were you, did you still have to test or was the bartending things considered your test? Okay. I think I may be one of the only playmates that didn't do an official test shoot, but it was because they were able to use the photos I had. So Marilyn Grabowski had seen my photo shoot from the bartender shoot. And then I had done like a special edition shoot as well. I think she had seen it. They at least could see enough photos that they were like, okay, let's work. We're going to let you shoot for Playmate. That's so awesome. I loved Yarmo's photos. For those who don't know, Yarmo was a freelance photographer who would do some stuff for Playboy, but he was out in Florida. He wasn't one of the main contracted photographers, but I loved his stuff because it just looked so fresh and fun and like spontaneous. And I had hired Yarmo to do a bunch of photos with the Shannon twins for their pictorial. But then I ended up moving out of the house and quitting my job at the studio before their pictorial came out. And all the Yarmo photos were never to be seen. They just photographed the twins like typical mansion girlfriends. And I was like, that's such a loss. Yeah, he was really good. He was like a drill sergeant, though. Really? Yes. I mean, he would have like hair and makeup in your hotel at like 4am. He wanted you like out when the sun was coming up, ready to shoot. Like he did not play. (laughs) That is so funny. But he was, but he was fun. um, He let you do, that's the thing. He wasn't like posy, like you were saying, like he didn't have to pose. You could just mm -hmm. frolic on the beach and you know, he would capture that or whatever you wanted to do. DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best. Classics like blackjack, roulette and slots, plus exclusive games you won't find anywhere else. I love going and playing video poker with my family. And even with Nick, Nick likes the tables, but Uh I've told you how scared I am of the tables. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. So I like doing video poker. It's like a, if you guys don't know, it's like a digital slot machine thing. And you don't even have to pull the handle anymore. Although I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. But you just push the button. And I don't know, it's fun and exciting. And it's something that like, there's people in my family that love doing it Mm -hmm. too. It's kind of a fun way to just kill some time and spend some time together. And we get like machines next to each other. But this way, we get to like play right on our phone. So if you have some downtime, want to try and press your luck a little bit, it's the perfect way to get going on it. Yeah, a great place to practice your poker and blackjack skills if you wanted to, too. I remember when I was really young, I thought I was going to grow up to be a card counter. Oh, really? (laughs) Maybe I would have if I'd had this to practice on. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and use code NEXTLEVEL. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That's code NEXTLEVEL only on DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per new customer. Must opt in and make minimum $5 deposit within seven days, 168 hours of registering new account. Maximum match $100 in casino credits, which requires one-time playthrough within seven days, 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024. And good luck. Yes. When you went to do shoot for Playmate, what was that experience like? It was interesting. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. And the first thing they have you do is your gatefold, you know, which is your centerfold. So it's like, which you you new girls know this because you lived in this world, but you stand, you're literally in the exact same pose for like five days straight. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It would take them hours and hours just to get the lighting right. And I remember we'd spend all morning just 
on lighting. And then this was back in the day where it wasn't digital then. So they'd have to send the film off to get it printed and rush it back. And then they'd have to rush it to Hef. He'd have to approve it. And for us to even continue to even maybe shoot after lunchtime. Such a crazy process. (laughs) It was. It was wild. And tell everybody what the look of your um, centerfold was. My centerfold was a beach theme since I'm from Florida. So they kind of just kind of took that and ran with it. So you knew you were a playmate right away. You didn't really have to like do the whole like testing and then like waiting to find out thing. Right. Well, you still have to get approved, but yeah, you know, so it's like nothing's official till you're approved. So you're like on pins and needles. Okay. Is it approved? Am I approved? Am I, mm-hmm. am I a playmate? But it all worked out. That's awesome. That's incredible because I mean, I know that waiting is still tough too, but at least you like shot the centerfold and everything, but like testing and then not hearing back right. is like just terrifying every day. You're like this, any moment now this could change uh, my life or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. So your playmate of the month pictorial comes out in June of 2005. And what was the reaction like from your friends back home? Did you get any backlash? Did you hear anything from your old Disney coworkers? Most people were really excited. I think, well, I'd say they were shocked because for me, like you girls (laughs) know me, like I'm pretty conservative and shy. So it was so far out of my comfort zone. So I think most people that knew me were just really shocked, Um, but everybody was really supportive. Um, Disney did not take well to it. Obviously they were, they were not happy. Um, I think they even called the rep for the magic kingdom and wanting, wanted him to comment. And he was like, no comment. And so (laughs) I don't know. And then I, some of my friends that I worked with at Disney were like, Oh, you're definitely blacklisted now. And I'm like, well, oh, well. Was there a lot of competition for Playmate of the Year? Yes. Playmate of the Year, as you girls know, is very competitive. And you don't realize how competitive it is until you're in it. Like, you know, I would hear about it and hear girls talk about it. But then once you're in it, it's like girls that were your closest friends or you thought that were your closest friends that year because you were Playmates the same year, like just start going against you because they everybody wants playmate of the year and it's just it gets really nasty to be honest and it's it's kind of sad because we should be just supporting each other and i know it's just because everybody wants to be playmate of the year but it caused some you know divide with certain relationships i had at the time yeah that's crazy and was playmate of the year something that when you knew you're going to be a playmate you're like oh my god i would love to do that i really want to be playmate of the year or was it more just like a nice surprise no, I wanted it really bad. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I would have been like, I'm, I'm going to be naked for the world. I was like, I want to do go as far as I can go. Like, so if that's getting playmate of the year, then I want to be playmate of the year. I didn't want to do it and just not go as far as I could. I wanted if I was like, if I'm, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to pose naked out of my comfort zone, I want to be a playmate and I want to be playmate of the year and I wanted to be 100%. on the cover. And what was it like shooting all your playmate of the year stuff? I loved shooting for Playmate of the Year. It was um, the last year Marilyn Grabowski did a pictorial before she retired. So it was really nice kind of getting that attention from her. Like she was an incredible photo editor and she was, some people, you know, didn't really like working with her, but I did. And she was just so good at what she did. And I feel like she poured her heart and soul into my shoot because it was her last one, which made it that much more special. We want to interview Marilyn so bad and I can't find how to get a hold of her, but somebody hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or something. And they're like, Oh, I live next to, I live near Marilyn. I saw at the car wash the other day and she talked to me and I'm like, tell her to come on the pod next time you see her. Yes. I think she would be so fascinating. She would. She is a fascinating woman. And how did you, back to Playmate of the Year, how did you find out you got it? Did Hef just like ask for a random meeting one day or did somebody tell you, were you alone? Were you with people? Okay. I was at the bunny house that day and I thought it would be Hef that called me because that's what they kept saying that Hef would call you. I don't remember him calling me. I remember Marilyn calling me. So I'm pretty Uh sure she's the one that called me and told me. Yeah. Who was the first person you told? Well, Jillian Grace, because she was my roommate and she was standing pretty pretty much right next to me at the time. So I told her and then I told, well, besides my family, obviously, like my mom, sister, the person I told after that was Courtney Colkin, because her and I were really, really close. 
and we just kind of made a pact with each other that if one of us found out that we would let the other one know, you know, because we didn't want to hear it from like the, you know, when it was publicized or hear it from someone else because we were such close friends. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Did you like your princess theme for your pictorial? At the time, I wasn't crazy about it, but I think it's just because I had done Disney so much and I was like wanting mm-hmm. to like get away from it. And then it was like I was sort of pushed back into that. But every, but it was such a beautiful pictorial. I can't complain. It was it was stunning. And looking back now, I'm happy that it was the theme that it was. Oh, I think it's so amazing. And I love it too, because it's so unique. It's not like the typical Playmate shoe. Exactly. Were you nervous about being part of the show? I was nervous to be part of the show because one, it really wasn't explained very well to us what the show would really the premise would be about. And we didn't know how they were going to portray everybody because they weren't very vocal about it or transparent, I should say. And I wish they had been a little more transparent. You girls were, you know, on camera, you know, pretty much all the time. And we weren't. So for me, it's like, I'd see the camera come in the room and I just wasn't used to it. Like you girls are probably, you get, you, I hear you just get used to it and you forget they're there when they're there all the time. But when you're not on it all the time and you're not used to it, it's like they'd come in the room and I'd be like, I'd almost like want to like bolt from the room at first. So it took a little bit for me to adjust to that. I don't, do you remember the first thing you filmed for the show? Because I think the first time we're really seeing you on the show is the episode where we throw that slumber party for you. But do you remember if you filmed anything else before that? I think we had started filming stuff before that, like little, yeah. little bits though. And did they ever sit you down for like a confessional interview? Because one of my complaints about the slumber party episode is they never get to know you on it. Like you're amazing in it, but we never really get to know Kara. And I was wondering, did they even try? Like, did they sit you down in a chair and do an interview or nothing? Nothing. They never did that. They never asked. And that kind of surprised me as well. I thought it would have added more to the show, but no, they never did. A hundred percent. Like, I feel like that episode's a little bit lazy. Like they're just kind of going with the same gags that worked before and they're not trying to like get to know you or even dive really too deep into what Playmate of the Year is. Yeah, because that was the point of that episode was to get to know you. So people cared about who the Playmate of the Year is and rooting for you and like your background and everything. And also it should have been to introduce like really what Playmate of the Year is, like how big of a deal this is. And instead they decided Mm -hmm. to go with like drama of Kendra not wanting to participate. Right. Yeah. There's some things I think they could have left out, you know, that weren't necessary that could have, you know, for for sure. For your the points that you're making. What were your memories of the slumber party? I remember, well, I loved going to dinner. I loved that you gave me the Playmate of the Year necklace, which mm-hmm. was very special. And I just thought everything about it was just so thoughtful. I loved how much thought you girls put into it. It meant the world to me. I love that we had it at the bunny house. I loved that you invited like all, you know, like our closest girlfriends and it was such a good group and mm-hmm. everyone had a blast. It was just fun. I was curious how the other girls were to you, like the other playmates and girlfriends. Like, was everybody nice to you or were there people that you were like, I'm going to stay away from that one? Yeah, I'll be honest. When I first became a playmate and I started working playmate promotions, there was a group of girls that were not very nice. And they kind of had this, like, it's like if someone new came in and they knew they were going to get to work a lot, it may potentially take away jobs from them. So they weren't very welcoming and they weren't friendly and they were not nice at all. And it took a long time, I feel like, for them to warm up to me and stop treating me unwell. Scarcity mindset. Yeah, totally. So what was it like working for Playmate Promotions? What were the parts you liked about it? I mean, there was the, there were a lot of great perks. I mean, obviously, it opened so many doors for us. So we got to do so many things. And without that, I wouldn't have been able to do half the things that I did. So I got to travel the world and do all these incredible jobs and do things I probably would have never gotten the opportunity to, to do otherwise. You no, know, some of the promotions were a little bit much. Like, you know, sometimes we would do a lot in Vegas. And I, some of that kind of was a little, you know, it was like we were expected to kind of like hang out with these high rollers. And I'm like, what are we really doing here? So it was a little sketch sometimes, but not, but it was still, you know, well within their little, how they wanted to keep you. 
That was going to be my next question because I always thought, oh, I really want to be a playmate. I'd do such a good job. I'd check all the boxes. I'd kill it on promotions. But once I started talking to women who were actually doing playmate promotions, like most of them loved it, but there was always this kind of like annoying side where they felt like they were expected to like talk to every guy or like flirt with every guy or they'd be asked to like, oh, go over and talk to that one. And I, I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't think I'm really cut out to be a playmate necessarily. (laughs) So after we left, you continued to live at the playmate house across the street. So tell us, cause we weren't there. So tell us a little bit about what that was like. Like who else did you live with? What was the dynamic like between Crystal and the twins? What were the activities? Okay. Well, when you girls first left, to be honest, I pretty much kind of boycotted it there. Um, I didn't go up there unless it was for work. I didn't go at all. Like actually when the twins were there, I don't think I ever went there unless it was for work. I kind of felt like I was so close to you girls and my loyalty lied with you two. And I just didn't have a desire to be around it um, during that time, to be honest with you. So again, unless it was for work, I did not go. It took me years. And once like the twins were gone and stuff like that for me to go come back around. And then things were different and it changed and it had gotten a lot better. That's really sweet. And we would never expect anybody to like, you know, not go up there as much because of us or anything, but it is sweet to hear because there is this other side where we kind of felt like after we left people that we felt were really close friends with us. It's like, they just transferred that friendship onto Crystal and the twins. And we're like, not that they can't be friends with them too, but it just seemed a little odd in some circumstances. Like it made me wonder like, Oh, was our friendship even genuine? Or are they just like, friendly with anybody who's around half, you know? I didn't have the desire to be around during that time. It just was, it was a weird time. It was, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I was just going to say for me, it felt like kind of like, um, like a betrayal sort of, even though I don't expect them not to be friends with, you know, the new people or whatever, but because it happened so quickly and just so seemed so seamless, I felt like, oh my God, like that person like was up there because I brought them up there or because I got them to stay or because, you know, and now all of a sudden they're like BFFs and it's like, oh, bye. See you later. We don't let the door hit you in the ass on your way out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Who else lived at the bunny house when you went back there? Okay. So when I finally did go back, I went back to the, the bunny house after I moved back from London and it was Deanna Brooks was living there, Crystal Camden, a younger, newer playmate. Her name was Jaslyn, who I just adored. She was like a little sister to me. And Shara. Shara had just, because Shara had moved out, also moved out of the mansion and then into the bunny house. So that's who I lived at the bunny house oh. with when I lived there for like a year before they decided to sell it. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that Shara went from the mansion to the bunny house. Cause for listeners who don't know, Shara was Hef's girlfriend after Crystal did the whole runaway bride thing. So when Crystal came back, I can't imagine she was thrilled that Shara was still in such close proximity. Yeah, <laughs> I'm funny. not sure I that she was, that. but yeah. Was it a shock to you when they told you they were selling the bunny house? Did they give you a certain number? Like, oh, you have this many months to live here because we're selling it. Like, how did they tell you guys? That was interesting. We literally got 30 days. So we (gasps) basically, yeah. So we basically were told um, we're selling the bunny house. You have 30 days. So you got to get your stuff and get out. So that's essentially how that That happened. That is crazy. I know 30 days is standard, but when you have that kind of like friendship with somebody, you think they would have like tipped you off. Like, oh, you know what? We're thinking about selling this house, you know, before they have to give you 30 days, you know? That's weird to me. Well, and not only that, but it's um, these most of the girls that live there are living there because they're not from LA and you're trying to get like your roots and like work and do that kind of stuff. So it's more than just uplifting you from like just some apartment you live in and you can get another one. Like it's kind of upending everything for you. Yeah. We were all kind of surprised by it and in sort of a panic because it was like, just like a bomb was dropped on us, you know, out of nowhere. And we could see the signs sort of coming, but we didn't really know because no one would tell us. And, you know, we'd see like, you know, Crystal and her mom coming over to the house and they would be they would walk around. They kept walking around the house several times and like 
wanted to see all the rooms and see the whole property. And then, you know, we kind of started putting things together, but we didn't really know until they decided like, okay, we're selling the house. So you, you have to go. I wonder if she wanted to sell it because Shara lived there. (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't know if this is true. Like I heard Hef had given it to her as like a wedding gift. And I think she thought maybe like she was going to live there. And then when she saw the state in which the house was in, it wasn't really something she probably wanted to take on. I don't. So then it was just, I think her mom and her, her mom and her decided they were going to sell it. Interesting. And do you remember what year that was? What year they sold it? What year you moved out? I think it was 2013 or 14. Interesting. And do you remember the last party you went to at the mansion? I do. The last party I went to was Midsummer's 2014. But that yeah. was the last one I went to. And then I remember I moved back home or moved back to Florida after that. And then I hadn't gone back since. When was the last time that you were at the mansion? And I'm mad, I'm kind of sa- I'm I'm actually sad because I wish I had gone back, you know, one more time. Like you like you always think you got more time. But like I could see Hef, you know, getting more and more unwell and you could see his decline and you knew it was coming, but I guess you just always took it for granted in a sense and you just thought, "Oh, it's he he's still going to be around." He's, it's, it's still going to be there because I didn't know that would be the last, you know, party ever to happen. Yeah. You know, and that was like 2017. So I wish I had just flown my eight month pregnant self out there and gone at least one more time, but I didn't <laughs> no. get to. I went to that party. Hef was not there. Okay. Good to know. So you, you didn't miss any, I mean, you missed maybe seeing the mansion one last okay. time, but you didn't miss seeing Hef. I, um, was asking about him and they said that he wasn't well enough to come down and his window was open in his bedroom. And I thought that that was eerie and I didn't know why that was. I didn't know if that was because he needed ventilation in there, like, you know, fresh air because he never had his window open. Never. Like he's like a a guy who did not crack a window. (laughs) And, um, so I thought that that was really weird. Or I wondered if like he opened it to hear the party going on. I'm not sure which it is. Interesting. What was his health like at that time? Because I feel like in 2013-ish, something really changed as far as like what was going on at the mansion and how things were. Because I know Mary died, so I feel like I attribute a lot of it to that. But also, I just feel like the control of the mansion and everything shifted at that point. Yeah, everything was really different at that point. And it was really sad. Like, and you to see Hef's decline was sad and kind of to be around him. And it's like, he, he still always remembered who I was. And, but you could tell he wasn't well. And it was just sad to see, you know, and then just, it, there was such a shift. And yeah, the company had kind of taken over a lot. And then, Towards the end too, like Cooper had kind of stepped in a little bit more and was taking over more of the parties and doing things like that. But it was just a very different vibe. It's interesting that you thought that Hef was possibly at the 2017 party because I feel like they would post pictures when a party would come around and make it look like Hef was out there when he actually wasn't. Yeah. And even the last one I went to, like, I mean, he didn't stay at the party long by any means. And he stayed like in that you know, they had built at that point, like that VIP area that was like kind of, you know, elevated or whatever. And he stayed, you know, kind of far hidden and removed and you couldn't get in there if you wanted to. I mean, we could, it's playmates or, you know, people that knew him very well, but yeah. that was it. Uh, nobody else mm-hmm. would be let in. And then he would, you know, go to bed really early. Where were you when you heard have passed? I was actually at work and I remember my boss calling me in her office and saying, did you, did you hear the news? And I'm like, what news? What? No. And she, and she was the one that told me, she was like, I've died. And I I just remember crying in her office. And I, I was just so upset. I just was, I mean, I knew, knew it was coming. I just didn't think it would happen that soon. Were you invited to the funeral at all? No, I was not. That's so interesting because somebody who lit, who was such a part of of his life, the show, playmate, a playmate of the year, and lived at the the house across the street for as long as you did, I would have totally thought you would have been invited. Yeah, my feelings were definitely a little bit hurt that I was wasn't invited, but I get it. I mean, he knew so many people. Um, I don't know how many people did end up 
going or were even able to go, but I don't, I don't know how that all went down, but I wish I would have at least gotten an invite because I would have liked to have gone. Let's talk about what Kara's doing now. You are married. Yes, I am married and I have a six-year-old daughter who keeps me very busy living in Florida, doing event planning. What's it like being a mom? It's the best thing in the whole world. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. That's so cool. I bet you're a fun mom. I mean, I like to think so. <laughs> I hope that I am. Is, does, your, does your daughter love Disney? Oh, yes. She loves Disney. Everything Disney. Everything Disney princess, Disney, everything. She's she's very immersed she, in that right now at her age. Does That's she so know cool. you were a Disney princess? No, not yet. She's not old enough. I won't break that news to her yet. I'll, I'll let her <laughs> still, you know, she still thinks they're, they're real when she meets them. So I, I don't want to burst her bubble. <laughs> Aw, that's so sweet. Do you do anything with Playboy anymore? No, I have zero affiliation with them. I don't, I haven't spoken to anyone from the company in, I couldn't tell you how long. I don't even know. Like we just, I have no ties to them whatsoever. They've never reached out to me. Nothing. So weird. Um, yeah. What about other playmates? Do you, is there anybody you stay in contact with? Yes, I am still friends with so many playmates. I think you really do. It is like a sisterhood. I know we all say that, but it truly is. I mean, you you bond with these girls and you work with them all the time and you live with them or you share hotel rooms with them. And you we, we I really built lifelong friendships with them. So there's so many that I'm still really close with. And do you still go to Disney a lot or are you just over it? No, I still go a lot. I'm still <laughs> obsessed. And even more so now that I have a daughter. So thank you so much for joining us, Kara. This has been such a fun walk down memory lane with you. And I want to see you in February when I come to Florida. Thank you so much for having me. And I cannot wait to see you girls again in person to catch up more. Yes. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Kara. Bye.